Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're now locked into the zone with Diamonds and Roses podcast, bringing you one step closer to Pacific Northwest and Southwest Canada baseball news, stories, and history. Proudly fueled by Baseballism, their America's brand, and Devo Bat Company, professional wood grain bats for the love of the game. And now your hosts, Ben and Travis. Welcome, everybody, to Season 4, Episode 4, number 125 of the Diamonds and Roses podcast. We have, as always, a great guest and a great episode lined up for you today. Joining us is Quentin John Alohi Okala Torres Costa from... Hilo, Hawaii. Mahalo. Quentin, how are you? Good, good, good. Thank you for having me on here. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, You come highly recommended uh, by a good friend. And uh, you have an interesting story uh, throughout your career. And I'm excited to dive into that history. But I'm also excited to see where you're going next. So thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to join me. So without further ado, let's jump on into this. What got you into baseball? You know, you're on the islands, but what got you into baseball? For me, it was, I was an energetic kid growing up. So my parents didn't want me to stay home and drive them crazy. So they put me in sports. (laughs) Uh, So I played multiple sports from baseball, basketball, soccer, football, uh, surfing, like just anything outdoors or get me into a sport, they were trying to sign me up. And then finally, as I got older, um, it was between baseball and soccer um, for a college offer. And I decided baseball. Um, so that's kind of where baseball, I just stuck with it. And then I always had good friends like uh, Colton Wong and Keen Wong. Um, Keen Wong, me and him went to the same high school. He was actually my catcher. Um, during high school and we all like worked out and did a lot of stuff together. So that's kind of where um, I just started running with baseball and kind of making a, uh, I didn't think it would be kind of a career for me Um, in the beginning. I just thought it was like, I was pretty good. I could throw the ball pretty hard and see how far this could take me. And then eventually um, as I got to college and then I actually got drafted 
um, I actually realized that like, Hey, I could actually make a living out of this and do something with my life and kind of make a name for myself. What you're a pitcher, but was there uh, a different position that you played initially? And if so, like, what was that? But also at the same time, what got you into pitching? Um, I, I was a, I was a two way in college when I first got, uh, signed or committed to uh university of hawaii manoa um so i played first base and center field um kind of the typical left-handed uh positions um when i was in little league i played everywhere i was just the kid that could you know just if you're athletic at that age you could kind of pretty much do anything and i caught i played shortstop i made it made it work as a Mm left-handed kid but as i got older it went straight to like first base and center field I kind of like center field a lot more than pitching uh, when I was younger in high school, just because I just like to be more athletic and um, I could, you know, throw pretty far and pretty accurate from the um, center field. And I just like tracking down balls. It was kind of like my thing was my niche in baseball. Mm -hmm. And then um, as I got older um, to like my sophomore year, I think I got up to like 91 uh, as a pitcher and that's right there once I hit 91 um, they were just like yeah you're left-handed and you throw 91 uh, you're probably going to be a pitcher uh, mm-hmm. hitting was okay but it wasn't outstanding that you know I would get drafted by yeah so that's kind of how I took the route of just finally making the decision of just all right this is where my ticket's going to be and um, let's make the most out of it as a youth, what's what's baseball like for somebody? I mean, because you could play year long around in Hawaii, but I can't. I mean, you I mean you probably did you do that or did you not do that? But how is you baseball uh, I, like I did in it, Hawaii? I I did baseball um, year round, starting my junior in high school. Um, before that, I wasn't really too. Uh, just focus on one sport at a time. Like I said, my parents put me in different sports. So depending on the season, um, mm-hmm. I would just change to a different sport. And I think it was soccer, then baseball, then baseball is basketball. I don't know how it was and why it was mm-hmm. kind of a while ago, but yeah, not until I got to my junior year at high school when uh, scouts and then um, other uh, universities were coming to me and just like, Hey, do you want to make a decision? And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? for you know your next level is do you want to play another sport do you want to play both sports or do you want to just play one sport and i was really contemplating i wanted to play soccer and baseball um for like a college but there was not really a college that i liked that had both of them and then um university of hawaii manoa came with a really good offer and i just told my parents like why not just represent the um my family and kind of play for the state and kind of go up from there. I remember watching Colton Wong at UH too. So he was kind of like a role model for me at the time to kind of follow in his footsteps and then do what he did and kind of go from there. What was it about Colton that like drew you to like him as a player? Uh, They're they're kind of like the family friends of mine. Um, Mm -hmm. We've been, playing since we were like 12 yeah um so we've been always going to the part or the baseball field at like six o'clock in the morning getting our reps in ground balls 
batting practice, throwing programs. We've been doing that since, you know, until, since I was a freshman in high school. And um, what drew me towards them was like, they were the guys to, that were doing things in baseball. Hmm. And um, I mean, if you want to do something with your life, you, sur- you surround yourself with other people likewise. And that's kind of where I got it from. And then I was, I was also the only pitcher that could throw hard enough for Colton for his off seasons. So I was the one facing him um, kind of like a two strike drill or just regular uh, live at bats and kind of learning from what he gave me and then I could help him. So it was like kind of a give and take. Nice. Very nice. You you mentioned that you surfed. I got to ask, did surfing and the agility of, you know, being on your feet, that balance, that movement with your ankles and your legs. Do you think that that played a little bit into you being a little bit more agile, like playing baseball? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think just a combination of everything. Uh, I surfed, played soccer, a lot of swimming, bodyboarding. Um, So all that different aspects of, you know, surfing with just, your arm circles of trying to just paddle out into, into the ocean gives you that shoulder strength. And then also with the balance of getting up onto the board and like stability. And then with soccer, you're just giving me leg strength. So I mm-hmm. can stay in condition to, you know, deliver the pitch constantly every single time that I, I want to. And just, yeah, I think a combination of many different sports kind of made me who I am today and made it, made it more so that I could be more athletic on the mound and, you know, um, kind of perform to my best ability. Yeah. Did you have a favorite professional team growing up? No, no, (laughs) we didn't have really a team. The only team that was really on TV was the university of Hawaii. Okay. Um, So baseball, um, basketball and football. And during the time I was in high school, I think, that was the year of Colt Brennan yep. and when they went to the sugar bowl. So football was a big thing, but at that time I was a twig. I think I weighed like 120 pounds soaking wet. So, um, my parents were like, no, you, I don't think you can play baseball <laughs> or football. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Broken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially being in Hawaii where there's a lot of Polynesians that are weighing at least 300 pounds in high school yeah. coming at you. So it's just like, you're already paying almost college football at the time. Yeah. Like a freight train hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, the old line in general, everybody was at least two six or above. Oh, wow. Wow. So, well, so they're thick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were agile, but they were big. And if they fell on me, I would definitely have broken. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned just a bit ago that, you you had coaches you had scouts coming to you you know saying hey you need to quit you need to make a make a choice what's your what's your choice going to be um i'm suppose you've had some pretty in-depth conversations with your parents maybe even your coaches but kind of walk walk me through kind of like what what that thought process was like for you and and ultimately making that decision to just go with baseball uh, for me, it was just, um, at the time soccer was prevalent. So it was between soccer and baseball. Um, I really like soccer just because I kind of just like the aspect of maybe going to Europe and like traveling and, you know, becoming a soccer star. 
Um, the only thing I didn't like was, to be honest, was how much running I was done. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, compared to baseball, the running was kind of like quarter of what we normally did. And um, I could actually see a future with baseball just because I've had people in front of me um, that I could kind of not tailor my path towards, but have a guideline of understanding uh, what I, what, what it needs, what it takes to become to the next level and and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But soccer, it was more just like, I got offered to go to play in Europe and England for like this uh, high school. I don't know what they call it. High school team or like our premier team that they kind of develop kids from there. And just being away from home from that far and with a different uh, kind of culture, mm-hmm. I didn't know if I could handle it at that time in my age. Okay. What? It, so then you you made the decision, and then what was? Were you, you said scouts were talking to you? Were they were they mentioning anything about? Well, maybe you could you know jump from high school to play professionally or. Was this all during college? Uh, this was in high school. There was a few scouts um, there. Uh, there was another player, uh, Cody Medeiros. He was a first-round draft pick for the Brewers in 2014, I believe. So uh, me and him were both on the same high school team, and there was a lot of scouts drafting, trying to, I mean, scout both of us. And they were saying that, yeah, we could have a possibility of going to um, pros out of high school but for me personally um, I'm adopted and no one in my biological family has had a college degree and for me it was my way of giving back to my adopted family of going back or going to college and getting a degree and kind of showing them that you know your your hard work and you know patience with me not actually being your son um, is paying off and um, can you going to reap the fruits of your labor kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I, I, I get that portion. I mean, I was adopted myself and uh, you know, I was, I remember going to college cause like, you know, my adopted parents, like you're going to college. I don't care. And so, you know, right. I, I get it. And like, I respect that. And, uh, that's, that's good to know. And I, I appreciate it. And so, um, you were, Look, probably being recruited by a few schools. What schools were those? They besides University of Hawaii. Uh, there were UCLA, uh, Baylor, Washington, and my dream school actually out of high school was North Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, Tar Heels. Um, I I just watched a lot of uh, College World Series, and uh, UNC was always there. And that's kind of like the team that I wanted to be a part of and um, trying to get there, but mm-hmm. kind of weighing out my options and also being all the way on the East Coast, being 18 or 17, 18 at the time, um, being that far away from home, not really understanding what I need to do, kind of weighing out my options. That's eventually, and then UH coming in with their offer um, made made my decision. Um, to go to University of Hawaii and, you know, pursue my path through UH. Sounds like you had a good, I mean, from what I'm hearing and what I'm hearing repetitively here is, is that you, you put some thought into like, 
just what it meant for you and what it could have been for you had you uh, taken yourself and moved to a different area, whether it be North Carolina, whether it be California, whether it be London, England, or England as a whole, wherever it was, will be, would be, would have been in England. You had the head on your shoulders to make that thought and make the determination and say, like, I don't know if this is going to be right for me because it's such a long way away from home. Like, how is that going to impact me as a person? Uh, you know, and I, I think that's really good that, like, that you had that mentality of, of being able to think about that because you don't want to go there and just drop out and say, I'm going back home because then yeah, you know, yeah. it made you I feel mean, like a failure. For sure. Um, I've had a lot of, uh, like just teammates when, when I was in high school or former classmates that have gone away and they've always had that island fever of just kind of, I, I miss home. Cause it's, I mean, we, we were living in Hawaii. It, don't get me wrong. It is a paradise. And um, being on the island and growing up there, all I could think about was just get off the rock, get mm-hmm. off and make a name for yourself. But um, a lot of people that, came before me um left and like went to different places like arizona california or um you know canada and then they came back and then they stayed there they stayed back in hawaii because they're just saying like it's a culture shock i mean not everybody has that aloha spirit of you know take care of one another or um you know if you need help you can you can rely on somebody else or someone has your back Mm -hmm. Um, so that right there was kind of like an eye opener for me of realizing like, Hey, I do go there. Do I know anybody else there? Do Mm -hmm. I, do I have to, do I have the means of the resources to, you know, if something bad were to happen or something wrong were to happen, I have the steps um, in order so that I can go to this person, that person and kind of um, make it work. But um, looking at the, you know, the bigger picture, I, I didn't really have that much support compared to yeah. you being back home in Hawaii. Nice. And then, so, you, you know, you had that support system home. You, you make the decision to attend the university of, of Hawaii. Um, you go into your freshman year, you, you start playing. Um, and then you get hurt. Uh, your, your first season playing uh, Hawaii and you require Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, that must, was it demoralizing for you at that point? Like having that cert, knowing that you had to have that surgery or is it one of those things where like, Hey, this thing is like routine. Now people get it all the time. I know I can come back from that. What, what was, what, what was in that your mind? What was your mindset at that point? At that time, I, I thought I was invincible. Um, I thought going through Tommy John would have been a cakewalk for me personally, because just knowing that, you know, yeah, at that time it's routine. A lot of people were getting it and a lot of people were having success with it um, for their Tommy John. And um, being younger and naive, I thought I was, you know, I would just bounce back, you know, being normal like my normal self and um go back to what i was doing before um and then i had a quick quick dose of reality when it actually happened 
and went through the rehab process and um, understanding of like how much extra work that is that is need needed to just even kind of get back to close to normal mm-hmm. and you're never going to be what i realize is like you're never going to be your normal self again um there's mental struggles that i've gone through and then there's also the physical struggles but i think more so on the mental side was the the part that i didn't really take into consideration and understanding like um, the headspace that I was in trying to feel or like do things that um, that weren't normal and natural and trying mm-hmm. to kind of reprogram my mind to get back to uh, kind of like fighting, fighting shape. Yeah. Of course, the university and their athletic department, along with the team, the, the coaches, the team want you to get back. Um, you know, and, and be that player or be a player similar to what you were before Tommy John. What was that support network like at the school from teammates, from coaches uh, that you received? Uh, it was great. Uh, I think it was top notch. Uh, the trainer I actually had was from Japan. Uh, his name is Kohei Ohashi. Um, I still keep in contact with him to this day really good dude um but me and him kind of had a had like a program uh set plan of what's going to happen how we're going to tackle this and um i've also did my own research of understanding like all right what is a good throwing program um at the time jager bands were the big thing and cross symmetries um there's a lot of band work uh weighted balls weren't until like later in like 2015 when I started hearing about that. So um, we trying to devise the weightlifting program on top of the Jager band program on top of my throwing program to kind of create our own little um, kind of six months plan to get back into season and start throwing. We didn't really have that much information of like Tommy John rehabs. Well, it was all based off what we researched, me and him, on our own and talking to the doctor that did our surgery, which, um, looking back, he was a hand surgeon, I think. Uh, He wasn't really known for Tommy John, but he was the uh, doctor that would do all the Tommy Johns for the team anyway. So we trusted his opinion and kind of understood where to go from there. And I had to really have to be in tune with my body and understand if I needed to take a day or, you know, if I could push more and really um, focus on getting back to, like I said, fighting shape and um, back into performing at the highest level that I could. Mm-hmm. What what time of, at what point in the year in your for your freshman year in baseball did that happen? I want to say like a month after the season started. Okay. Yeah. So were you able to get back into the next season and start that spring yeah. or yes. okay i was able to play fall ball uh with no problem and then i think i started the third or second series against nevada i don't remember the uh, off the top of my head but um yeah i remember my first outing since getting tommy john was against university of nevada and um i think i didn't do so good, but I was throwing pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I, I think I had a few punchies, but I also had a good amount of walks. And I don't know if it was just nerves, but I felt really good. And um, I kind of understood that this would that would have happened, but um, kind of learned from the mistakes and then kind of kept moving forward from there. Okay. I, I just want to take one step back and I want to ask when you made your first collegiate appearance just uh, out there, what was what was that feeling like for you? Like, hey, I've, I've now gone from high school. Now I'm playing college ball and I'm here on the mound making my first collegiate appearance. It was kind of a cool thing, actually, because when I was first about to start or the season was about to start, um, we knew we were going to play the third ranked team was Oregon at the time in the nation was the Oregon and uh, coach. Uh, Mike Trapasso told me like a week before, Hey, you're probably going to be the closer, even if we get there. And then I think, or yeah, two weeks before he said he, he was going to tell me that I was going to be the closer. And then a week before he's like, actually, I changed my mind. You might probably going to be the Friday or Saturday guy because we might not even use you because we need to have a lead first in order to get to the closing spot <laughs> and we're playing the like the third ranked team in the nation. So yeah, you're, pro- you're going to start on, I want to say Saturday. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't the Friday guy. I was Saturday and um, we'll see how you do. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, Saturday came around and I started every game. I started my first game in college. Um, against the third ranked team in the nation. And I think that was the most packed stand since university had, because I think I was the first local boy that was a starter on a Saturday. And for me at the time, I think it was only like 1,700 people. But me at the time, that was a lot. (laughs) uh, Pitching in front of, you know, 50 people in high school and then 1,700 um, for my opening day was kind of a big thing. I think I got yeah. through like four innings, gave up two runs. It wasn't good, but it wasn't great. Um, but mm-hmm. it was a kind of a cool experience for me. Kind of my first get your feet wet in college. Here you go. Here's the third ranked team in the nation. We'll see how you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might not get the lead, so you might not get it. So therefore we're going to put you in as the starter. As a starter. <laughs> love that that's funny um so let's fast forward back to you know after your hobby jog you you go in you play that year um but you have an uh you you get an interesting opportunity come the summer uh where you get to go uh play go to victoria british columbia um and play for the harbor cats for those that you that that don't listen to this podcast. We do a lot with the West coast summer collegiate baseball league. It's a wooden bat league uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. And um, Victoria Harbor caps happen to be one of those teams that are in that league um, under some very good management. Uh, they have one of the best teams um, in the league consistently each year. And now you get the opportunity to go there of course, you're probably getting talked to by coach and saying, hey, we got this opportunity in, in Victoria for you to go play some summer ball. 
what did they tell you about the team? Like what, what was the excitement level for you? Uh, for me, it was literally just the coach was like, Hey, we got a summer ball team for you. It's going to be in Canada. Um, we want you to get as many reps as you can to hopefully, you know, come back even better and stronger for the next year. Um, that's kind of what he told me. My coach didn't really, uh, actually, yeah, I, this is the only time I didn't really do that much information on the West coast league. Um, for me, it was just more, I need to play just coming off of Tommy John and not having enough time, you know, pitching in games and, um, understanding what, how my stuff worked compared to hitters, um, was a big thing for me and understanding of how, how do I get outs and in this game, if you don't get outs, you don't get paid or you don't get to play mm-hmm. at the time. So, um, that was kind of my mindset coming into Victoria was get as many reps as I can and eventually, you know, figure out what works and have find a routine that works for me and go from there. Um, that was kind of my mindset going in. Talk to me about how, like getting there and, you know, what that experience is like. It was definitely a eye opener for me. Uh, I never played in a, like a travel ball team or anything like that. Um, first time I ever had a host family, first time ever being on my own, really away from the Island. So, um, it was a great experience actually. And at the time I was 18. So in Canada, 18 years, you're, you're like 21 there. So, um, kind of got to be kind of a adult, so to say, Mm -hmm. and do things that, you know, you wouldn't be able to do back in the States. Um, like, you know, just be a normal kind of human being of outside of baseball celebrating and I, I was also in college so of course you're gonna go party and you're gonna mm-hmm. go figure out stuff like that um I loved it I think those were my greatest experiences in baseball um in that summer league learning a lot one about myself and then other, one about you know who I am as a baseball player mm-hmm. um I had a really good teammate with Alex Degoti um another Harper cat was there a year before and he came back um so yeah, Degoti was kind of like me and him were like buddy buddy going around and just you know picking picking each other's brains um, and kind of seeing what we could do to you know better ourselves as baseball players and then also as just human beings in general. Being in the summer league kind of gives you some initial insight to what it would be like playing in the minor league system because it's a little bit of a grind. Uh, oh, even yeah. though you got some little bit of downtime, it's a little bit of a grind because you're you're pretty much almost playing day in day out. Yeah. And how 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 did that impact you uh, going from you know college to then playing this in the summertime and and just being go 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 go? Um, for me, I loved it. My my personality personality is just like keep going, don't really stop. Um, I'm not really one to sit down and kind of take things in. I'm more of, you know, let's get it done. And if it's not done the right way, then figure out why we failed and use those failures to learn how to do it right next time, mm-hmm. you know? So that's that I loved it and understanding that um, this is what it is going to be when you get to pro ball. And I think it was a good stepping stone for me 
Um, at the time, I didn't think I was going to make pro ball because I was just more worried about like, I need to get outs first and, mm -hmm. you know, um, be a better pitcher. Um, so for me, I was just more focused on, you know, enjoying the experience and having the most fun as possible um, mm -hmm. at the time. And then looking back at it now, this definitely helped me uh, in my later years when I got drafted by the Brewers and understanding of pro ball where you get maybe one day off a, week, a month and every day it's you're kind of having the same routine, having the same, uh, same, I don't know, practice, all that kind of stuff over and over again. And then it, it gets monotonous, but, um, for me, it, I didn't really see it as a chore. I just saw it as you get 1% better every day. And then eventually mm -hmm. those one percents add up and you become who you want to be. And yeah, um, that was kind of my mindset going in and understanding how I wanted to become a professional baseball player in the minors. Mm -hmm. Now you talked about family early on and I know that playing in the West coast league and, you know, when you get into early a ball, you're, you're staying with a, a family like during that, that time frame. Um, and I know how important it is to you. Did you be, get close to the family that you stayed with um, that summer? Do you keep in touch with them? I mean, what was that experience like for you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They were a really great family. Um, I've kept in touch with, they had two boys there, um, their sons. Um, they still keep in touch with me here and there uh, through social media. And um, that's kind of all that we do. Um, I have a few other families that in minor league baseball that still contact me during the, you know, the holidays and stuff. Cause they, they see it as like, they're like the second mom or second dad in the family. And, um, they, they treat me, I've never really had a bad host family. So all my families that I've been with, they're really good and kind of treat me, kind of took me in as their kid or like their son, mm -hmm. um, in the family and kind of gave me whatever I needed to, you know, perform at my best, best, um, for baseball. Where, what host family gave you the best meal? Like the best home cooked meal. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I was in Wisconsin, uh, with the timber rattlers and they have a thing called beer, butt chicken. Yeah. There. And, uh, uh, one of the host families, he was known for it. And I was like, what is this? I've never heard of this beer, butt chicken thing. And he, he has the process for it. Like, um, the dad, his name was Bob, but Bob would literally, he would take two weeks for him to prepare the chicken um, wow. so that he, he could like get it ready. But uh, he, that was probably the best meal I've had. And then there is another host family also in Wisconsin that every Sunday um, the dad had a, a Traeger. So yep. he would be making any type of barbecue meat or anything. He just loved using that thing. So, and I loved eating. Um, so <laughs> it was a match. It was a match made in heaven. Every, every Sunday we would have uh, teammates come in and kind of just hang out there and enjoy the Wisconsin summer with his barbecues. Yeah. Did they, did they ever try anything out on you? Like, ah, I'm working on this. Give this a try. 
Uh, a few times. Uh, normally, uh, I don't think we really had a bad experience with uh, what it cooked. Um, he was pretty good at like anything barbecue related or mm-hmm. anything with that trigger. Um, he he knew exactly how to cook everything to the best. Anything yeah. from pork, steak, chicken. Like I've never had like a dry meal with him. It was always top notch. Nice, nice. So so moving on, uh, you get drafted in 2015 by the Milwaukee Brewers. Is this something, you know, you got people that are watching this online and it's just going through the draft picks. Talk to me about your, how it felt once you saw your name called. For me, I was more uh, disappointed, to be honest. Um, I was talking to plenty of scouts. They were telling me, oh yeah, you'd be top 10 for sure. You're left-handed. You throw uh, decently hard. Um, You have a good possibility of being drafted pretty high. And mm-hmm. uh, the first two days go by, and those were the television uh, televised days. So um, name didn't get called. I was watching. Their mm-hmm. day comes. I think it was the last day, and I think they got all the way down to like the twenty fifth round. And I'm just like, oh, I'm over this. This is not going to end up for me. And <clears throat> I ended up just taking a drive uh, um, back home. I was going to probably just go to the beach and kind of relax because I was just getting stressed out, not seeing where, where I wanted to be. And then on my way to the beach, I get a call um, from the Brewers, actually. And they're like, congratulations. I'm like, wait, first of all, who are you? And secondly, what happened? Why are you congratulating me? And it was like, oh, I'm with the Milwaukee Brewers. And we just signed you in the 35th round. Um, and you're going to be a brewer. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, wait, are you serious? Like, I thought this was a joke for some reason. Mm-hmm. Like, my my friends were prank calling me or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I got off the phone with the uh, the brewer's guy. And um, five minutes later, my agent calls me. And he's like, yeah, this is real. Um, they're going to send over the contract. Um, you can read over it. And then. Um, once you sign that dotted line, they want you to fly up there, I think the next day to get ready for, uh, the Arizona, Arizona league. And I was like, Oh, this is quick. Like yeah, I, all of a sudden I, I was in Hawaii for like three days. I think I just finished season and all of a sudden I'm flying out again into Arizona and I had nobody I knew out there, but I signed the dotted line. Uh, they got me a plane ticket, and I think my first night in Arizona, I almost got lost in the airport because they were like they gave me like a shuttle pass. Um, so I think I, I like first I went to the wrong shuttle, and I had to walk like all across another to another terminal, and eventually got on the right bus, but there were thirteen other stops in front of me, and. Me at the time, not knowing where I was going, I was just like, I hope he's taking me to the right place. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'm going. I please tell me this is the right address. This is the right hotel. There's multiple times where I was just like, uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to get lost. And eventually I found the hotel and then reported to uh, the Brewers um, complex the next day. 
yeah, they have a very nice, uh, there's some very nice facilities down there in, in Arizona. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's, I mean, everything's all close to it um, by each other too, so which is convenient. So if I did get lost then I, they could, another team could probably point me in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> they probably look at you funny like, yeah, yeah, over there. yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, how, like, what were you thinking, like, walking in to the facilities that first time and, like, this is real? Um, for me, it was kind of like a, the, my, the fruits of my labors are kind of presenting themselves a little bit for me. All that hard work where <clears throat> no one really saw all the times that, you know, waking up early in the morning to get a workout in or, um, you know, skipping holidays or skipping um, birthdays just so that I could get my rest or um, get my training in or get my throwing in. Um, it was kind of almost paying off in my in my mind, but knowing that there is still, for me, I saw each level as a stepping stone in the minor leagues, and my goal was to get to the big leagues. And mm -hmm. I had a plan of trying to get to AAA by my third or fourth year, I think. And that, that, that's all I really had on my mind was I need to get to AAA by this year and prove to myself that I have what it takes and I, I'm, I'm going to be a big leaguer. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, you, you know, you play rookie ball at, that first year in, in Arizona and then you come back the following year. And as you mentioned earlier, you, you were, you moved up to Wisconsin to play for the Timber Rattlers, which is the single A affiliate for the Brewers. Um, what's that feeling like knowing that like now, like, okay, so you're out of rookie ball. Now you're really getting that shot to start playing minor league ball, uh, you know, against other players. Um, at that time for me it was a was a great opportunity i saw it as just one more stepping stone and figuring out how um how how do i master my craft and become a better pitcher mm -hmm. um, the way i saw it uh cody Madaris was in that league before me and um he was uh in high a and I was in low A, so I would always talk to him. He was kind of like my resource to talk to, like, what do I do? What's going on? What is the surrounding areas like, you know? So I had somebody, which is nice. He was also a fellow Hawaiian, so mm -hmm. we always stuck together and um, kind of bounced back things. I mean, we always did that in high school, too. So it was almost like we were playing high school again together. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good that you had that um, opportunity to bounce things off from somebody that you knew uh, to be able to like, what's this like, what's that like? And, you know, oh, yeah. it felt like you were, you know, getting something back from it and you could acclimate to that system, which is really cool. How is that first year for you in low A ball? Uh, to be honest, it wasn't good. <laughs> I actually got sent down uh, midway through the season back to rookie ball to the Helena Brewers which was their rookie ball at the time. Um, and for me, uh, I got lucky because the pitching coach was also the pitching coordinator or assistant coordinator at the time. 
Um, so rookie ball started and um, he would take in every pitcher after every outing and just talk to them about their outings and see what was their mindset or was their game plan? What were they trying to do? And for me, um, that really helped me open my eyes of like what I need to do as a pitcher mentally. And then also a, a game plan physically of attacking hitters. Mm-hmm. And um, after I had that few conversations with the pitching coach, <clears throat> I, I got lucky and I got sent right back up towards the end of the year, back to uh, low A and <clears throat> um, understood that mindset and kind of took it, took it along with me as I went. And uh, the following season, I got invited to go to high A, which was Carolina Mudcats now. Yeah. Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. The Mississippi. Yeah. Um, they no, were no, sorry in North Carolina. No, yeah, bad. North Carolina. Yeah, they were the uh, Biloxi. That's Biloxi. Biloxi is I got a little bit ahead of myself with the Biloxi no, for the yeah. next one. Yeah. So yeah, our uh the Carolina High A team, we had a lot of guys. We had a lot of first rounders and we had a lot of studs, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, um, we had Marcus Dubon, or not Dubon, uh Duplon. We had mm-hmm. we had a lot of Jordan Yamamoto was on the team. Um, so we had a lot of big leaguers looking back um, at that team. And I think being around with such, you know, good talent, it only just brings a team up um, in general and everybody kind of picked up their game. And that's where I kind of realized where my niche is as a left-handed pitcher mm-hmm. and how I need to get lefties out and kind of understanding who I am slowly as a, my identity as a uh, pitcher um, in high A, which was, yeah. uh, I think, very beneficial for me. On a side note, uh, out of the University of Portland, uh, Cooper Hummel was yes. playing for the Mudcats at the same time. And so I was curious, and Cooper's a, a, you know another West Coast alum, so I was wondering uh, if you would run into Cooper during that time. Actually, yes. Yeah, me and Coop, we still talk to this day. Um, he was a catcher of mine, and I loved how Cooper catched and his mindset at the plate and understanding how to read pitchers. So um, I think the best way to, like, if you were a pitcher, to learn from what the hitters are telling you because yeah. those are the guys you're facing. So me and Cooper, were, but yeah, we were very close, and he understood a lot um, at that time. What did you learn from him, like specifically? Uh, he had this thing where uh, he wrote on his arm was uh, pitchers throw home runs. <laughs> or pitchers like throw home runs. Or he had like a he had an acronym on his forearm. And I'm like Cooper, what are you writing your arm? And he told me what it was, something like that. And uh, it was basically him telling himself like, you don't hit the home runs. Pitchers will give you a ball to hit that is a home run. So in my mind, I'm like. And I'm not going to throw you that pitch. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to just easy give it up to you and make it, make it a difficult at bat for you. And that, that kind of stuck with me for a while. Um, just understanding, like I give up the home run. It's not him hitting the ball. <laughs> Sounds like he gave you a little, little crash Davis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a little, I mean, <laughs> It's still Cooper. Uh, I love the guy to death, and he's a really good dude. Um, 
I mean, he's in, I think, yeah, he's on the 40 man with the Diamondbacks right now. So, yeah, um, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, it'll be official, you know, something when this, this, this podcast comes out. Um, But I think as of right now, which is the 6th of April, I believe he's listed on the active roster, not just on the 40 man roster, but the active roster. So, Fingers crossed. Yeah. I think he will be making the team. So congratulations to him. But anyways, I wanted to to ask you about that because I know I was like, okay, we interviewed Cooper Hummel. I met him. I keep in touch with him. I know he was in the Brewer system, and I was like, I'm wondering if they cross paths at any point. So I figured, did you get to play with him in Biloxi a little bit, or did you? Miss uh, him in Biloxi? We, we just we just played high A together. Um, okay, really. Um, yeah. By the time he got up to. Biloxi, I was in Triple uh, A. Okay, yeah. So, and then, uh, so 2017. Um, you know, you you. So we fast forward in 2000. Yeah, 17. You you get the Biloxi Shockers, and then that fall you go play uh, in the Fall League, and then for the Fall League is uh, you know is where a lot of the you know the top prospect a lot of good top prospects for major league baseball go to play. Um, how did your time in the fall league differ from that? Like in the, in the minor leagues, because you're, you're, you're with other players from other teams. Uh, I think it was just a great uh, kind of uh, uh, connecting experience, you know, just networking and understanding that, you know, each organization has their own philosophies. Each organization has uh, what they want to do for each player mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then understanding that these guys are kind of like the almost 1% of the prospects that the organizations see to, you know, eventually help their organization uh, be, you know, get better. So there was a lot of good guys there that I've played against and with and understanding um, this is kind of like a taste of like, what it would be in the big leagues. Um, the way I saw it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and what was your what was your biggest takeaway from that fall league heading into spring um, that you think that maybe got you that a di- little either a different mindset or you were just like, okay, this is what I'm going to work on, and this is this year because this is what I learned in fall ball. Uh, I think it was more of a mindset for me. I'm going to do everything that I can possibly to get to the big leagues and understanding that in the fall league, if I could pitch in there, I could, you know, pitch against all any, any other person. I remember one person in particular I faced was Ronald Lukun and understanding like if I could face him and, you know, get him out, then I, there's not really much um, anybody else that I could face that I won't get out, you know? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, yeah, you just mentioned 2018 was kind of a big year for you in a way. Um, you know, you go to AAA and play for the Colorado Springs Sky Sox. Um, you know, you're, you've you now gone from rookie ball to low A to high A to double A to now triple A. And you're, you're, you're obviously progressing. Crowds are getting bigger games are getting more intense players are getting better um <clears throat> for 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 you 
you know, what going through these and now into AAA, was it more, was it more of a fast paced environment for you? Like, was it just felt like it was way better competition? Like what, what do you, what was your takeaways from getting that start? For me, it was, uh, I think it was a little bit easier because I knew who I was and as a pitcher, I knew I had, I knew what I needed to do to get pit, uh, batters out. And uh, in my mind, I was just mastering the craft. Um, that's what I was trying to tell myself, like master your craft and perfect it to the best of your ability so that when you do get to the big leagues, it's going to be like a cakewalk. Mm-hmm. So you, you you start, you get going on the season, and then all of a sudden you get hurt. Um, how did that happen? Uh, it was actually the last game of the season, I think. And my last batter, because it was two out. Really? Yeah. Um, I remember it was a fastball way. And was a, uh, he ended up grounding out to the third baseman to get the out. And I literally threw the pitch and just felt a pop. And my 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 entire arm just went numb, which I never felt before. Because like, because of my Tommy John, um, I didn't feel really anything. They just told me it was a partial tear with my first one. Um, but this one was a little different where I actually felt like a pop. And then I, my numb, my hand just became numb and my elbow just kind of swelled up uh, after the game. And for me, I thought it was just like, okay, I just, you know, maybe aggravated something. So let's take some ibuprofen and let the swelling go down and it'd be fine. Um, I think I went to Arizona after the season was done to get an MRI. And that same day I got the MRI, I could, I found my results and it was a complete tear and kind of, I like going through my head. I'm like, Oh no, I got to go through this one more time. Mm -hmm. And, um, that first week I was more just like, how am I going to do this? Where am I going to do this? Like, what is my career going to be like after this? And yeah, right now and today, as we speak, I I'm still still trying to think about it and kind of keep moving forward. Of I, I'm not done yet, you know. Yeah, well, that brings me into like one of my next second to last questions because it's like, you know, I'm I'm thinking I'm we discussed earlier with your first Tommy John surgery. You know, it's like I think at that point, like, look, like, okay, this thing, it's not like in the '80s you know, this has been, you know, we're looking at 40, almost 40 years later, roughly from the first one or give or take a little bit. Um, But a lot of things change, medical advancements, things like that. The surgery has been done. People are more perfecting it. I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, you get it done once. Yeah. Great. I mean, there's, there's great opportunity to come back. Good possibility. You're going to be just as good, if not better than before. But then I'm looking at like, okay, I hear you get a second one. And it's just like, now it's like, okay, well, this is, this is a different scenario because it's now you're getting your, your second surgery. Um, But you come back. I mean, you put in the time, you go through a lengthy rehab. Um, I know getting to the majors and staying there, it takes a lot of blood, sweat, tears. I mean, the grind alone for a healthy person is strenuous. But my question to you is, how do you mentally and physically keep yourself in the game chasing that dream? What keeps you in the game going 
with all of this, like the now having this second surgery? Uh, for me, it was just, uh, I, I don't know. I just can't say no. I'm, I'm stubborn. You can <laughs> ask all of my family. Uh, I'm just a very stubborn person. Uh, if I have my eyes set on one thing, I'm going to do it. And um, for me, it's more so that I could prove to everybody that like, if you put in the time, you put in the effort and um, the distractions are going to be there. But if you can manage them and figure out a way that works for you to get up every day and be consistent with your daily routines and with workouts and everything that you can be in your control, um, things will happen and things will get better. Um, there was a lot of times where I, I, I mean, I still go through it today, but there's a lot of times where I really want to just, you know, hang up the cleats and start a, start a normal life, but nothing about my entire life was normal. And mm -hmm. I feel like I have to one, do this for myself and understanding, like I gave everything my all. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be, but um, at least I know I've turned every stone and did everything humanly possible for myself to get to where I want to be. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I also have friends that are now in the big leagues too. So understanding, like talking to them and seeing what they're, they, they're going through. Um, it's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel of like what it's like to be in the big leagues. And mm -hmm. I've had friends that are in the big leagues for 10 years. I have friends that are in the big leagues for one. And they say it's like, it's, it's like opening day every day for them and understanding like all your hard work is going to pay off. You just keep putting the time and effort into what you love. And I've been doing this for a very long time now. So I am fully invested and I'm not going to, you know, I already, I already endured the pain then why not, might as well get a reward out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. What do you think's um, one thing personally that baseball or anybody within your career, like what's that one thing that stands out from all these levels of baseball for you? Who's taught you something that you take away to this day and you utilize that to keep you going or you just want to teach other people the same exact thing? Uh, for me is, I think it was back when I was in high school, um, playing with Colton Wong and Keen Wong and all our buddies. Um, I think at that time, that's where it started to just like, um, ingrain the, the mindset of hard work and, you know, being consistent every single day and day out. Um, that's how you're going to get better. Um. If you take a person that's only practiced 300 hours a week and then put them up against a person that practiced 3,000 hours a week, the person with 3,000 hours are definitely going to see, you're going to see more improvement and more skill out of the person that put the time in, put the effort and got um, to where they are because of what they did. And I think just looking back when I was younger and having that instilled into me, um, is one of the big things that, um, I learned from baseball is nothing's going to come easy and you're going to have to put some time and effort and hard work into it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good. Um, 
Let's do. We got about three questions left for you, and I'm gonna go. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go into something a little bit different for for two of them. So okay. my uh, one question is: is what's your favorite baseball movie and why? Favorite baseball movie would probably be Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Because I just love Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Um, I actually Jr. have, I actually have the Air Force One cleats that New Balance got, and I love them to death. Those are my favorite pairs. Um, and then just it's it's all around good baseball movie. I grew up with that, and I as a kid I would watch it all the time. I didn't okay. know I loved baseball at the time, but um, yeah, I would. That was my favorite movie all time for baseball. It, it must have brought you back to like when you got older and you started playing with all your friends it must have brought some highlights back at that point when you were doing that you had to have been like oh i want to be like benny the jet oh yeah for sure yep yep <laughs> nice i just want to be fast <laughs> really good um the second to last question i got for you just another fun one if you could have one superhuman power what would it be One superhuman power. Uh, for me personally, uh, I'm a very outdoorsy person. Um, if I could be someone like Aquaman, I would. The Jason that would be Aquaman. My... Yes. Yes. For okay. sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> that yeah yeah I think if I could do that. Um, that would be my superhuman power is just because I just love the outdoors and love being in nature. And I mean, I wouldn't want to just be particularly for fish. I mean, I would love to just be for, you know, anything, uh, nature wise. Okay. Very cool. Um, so the last question I have for you, uh, is where are you headed from here? You know, you, I hear you're off to play some indie ball this summer. Yes. Yes, uh, I'm going to be playing indie ball for the Gastonia Honey Hunters in North Carolina. Um, they've uh, reached out to me and uh, to, um, kind of taking my next steps towards, you know, still becoming a professional baseball or major league baseball player. And um, hopefully this season is going to be a season for me to prove to not only myself, but other people around baseball, like the scouts and everybody that I still have it and I still can, you know, perform it at my highest level um, and eventually into the big leagues. Excellent. Well, Quentin, thank you for taking time with us today to um, talk about yourself. Um, There's been a lot of great things. And, uh, you know, before, before I let you go, I just want to say like, there's a probably will be, I mean, I'll be looking up to you, checking in on you, but, you know, I think a lot of people could take away a really good work ethic and like a mindset from your story and just not giving up and staying with it after, you know, you've had the setbacks that you have. So, um, you know, keep it up and we're, we'll be rooting for you, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. It was was a a lot of pleasure for me being on here. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm gonna give Jim a hard time and, and about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do, please do. Yeah. All right, everybody, Quentin Torres Costa, catch him this summer if you're in North Carolina. Watch some uh, indie ball. 
He'd be out playing. I, I they look like a skunk. <laughs> They'd be out there playing. <laughs> yeah. It'd be yep. out there playing. So go give them a shot. I'll keep track of them. Uh, let's get them back on uh, after some indie ball this year, so we can see and hear how his uh, his summer went. So Quentin, thank you very much, and that'll do it. For this episode of the Diamonds and Roses podcast, as always, thank you, Baseballism, for being a great sponsor. Thank you to our other sponsor, Evo Bat Company. Appreciate everything that you do for us here at the Diamonds and Roses podcast. You have a great day wherever you are at. Peace out.